Welcome into the Fog.net podcast, week five, week six, one of those right now, but today we are here, Scott Chasen, alongside Michael Swain to talk about Kansas basketball recruiting. So a little bit of a rundown of how this podcast is going to go uh, before we get into some of the topics. We're going to start talking about some KU, some major KU basketball targets, really who we view as maybe the top one or two priority, uh, priority guys for the Jayhawks in the class of 2019. Uh, we're not really going to focus on 2020 today. That that'll be in a that'll be in some later podcasts. But 2019 recruiting, we're going to hit on the top targets for KU basketball. Then we're going to take a look at the backcourt. Just put out our first kind of a, a weekly series that's going to be up on the site. It's going to be looking position by position at the KU basketball roster. Going to be analyzing kind of which recruits uh, or, or where the roster is, which recruits could be coming in. We started with point guards in the class of 2019. Uh, kind of just looking at, you know, what is the situation for KU? Who's expected to go? Who are the Jayhawks in on? Who are they leading on? Who are they expected to bring in? Who could their kind of dream recruit be? So uh, if you head over to our site for our VIP subscribers, that's what we've got going on this week. It'll be point guards this week, shooting guards the next week with combo guards, uh, and then small forwards on and on, and then we'll hit the 2020 class and then, you know, circle back again. So that'll be every Sunday. Uh, breaking those down, and that made this a good time in twenty uh, to really address twenty nineteen recruiting the backcourt, but of course starting with some major KU basketball targets. So Michael Swain, as I mentioned, joined me on the podcast. Michael Swain, new to our uh, Kansas twenty four seven Sports website, he was previously on these podcasts, uh, but now writing for us had a good story about Alex Fontana and the KU football offensive line. So make sure to check that out. So uh, Swain, let's start here. KU basketball has been extremely active. Obviously, you had the the evaluation period kind of winding down in July and uh, it had been extremely active getting out to see some of its major targets. Uh, you had three KU assistants looking at Matthew Hurt. You had a number of guys looking at Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, who do you see as the two, one or two top targets of the class or, or is it those two guys uh, in Hurt and Robinson Earl that obviously so many people have talked about? Oh, I think it's definitely just those two. They're incredibly good, both five-star talent, of course. And I think that you've seen from, you know, the vast amount of coaches that are going to see them. You've had, as you said, multiple coaches going out to Vegas to see Hurt, coaches coming back to Lawrence, Kansas City, all over the place to see JRE. I think that they're putting on the full-court press with both of them. I think that it's interesting, though, that they're both kind of in different spots in their recruitment. Jeremiah Robinson Earl's kind of started to narrow it down a little bit. He hasn't put out an official list unless I'm behind on that. But I think that he's a little further forward than Matthew Hurt is, who hasn't really started his recruitment yet. He's not taking it seriously. He had mentioned that he wants to narrow down his decision by either November or April. I think it's going to be April just because he hasn't started narrowing down schools, taking unofficial or, or official visits yet. And what do you think? Do you think for... Robinson Earl, I saw that UNC had offered him in late April. Do you think they're kind of the only people that are in contesting KU for his services? Well, I think the tie. Well, first, I want to go back to something you said, actually. I, I thought that was a really interesting comment about where they're at with their recruitment, because when I talked to Jeremiah Robinson Earl in Overland Park, you know, he told me that he's ready to be done with his recruitment and that he feels like it's gotten a little tiring and, and the process is kind of really worn on him. And 
you know, obviously you could turn around and say to that, okay, then, then go ahead and make a decision. But, you know, clearly he's not to that point yet. Uh, Lester Earl, his father, is kind of the big reason for the ties, I think, with both Kansas and North Carolina. Obviously, living in Kansas, playing at Bishop Miege uh, helped a lot there. But uh, the fact that Lester Earl played for Roy Williams at, at uh, Kansas means there are ties to KU and there are ties to North Carolina. Now, uh, I personally, and I, I've broken this down, if you want kind of the full story on his backstory, uh, we have a couple pieces up on the website about Jeremiah Robinson Earl, what he thinks of Kansas, what he views, you know, uh, really, really kind of exploring those ties. So I won't necessarily get too much into that. Uh, but I will say, I think his ties to Kansas are stronger than any other university. Mm-hmm. And the, the only real reason, I think if you're a KU fan, that you have reason to be concerned or be worried or be, you know, whatever, is because he's said at multiple points you know, I'm not a done deal for Kansas. I think schools maybe aren't recruiting me or whatever because they think I'm a done deal for Kansas. I don't want to give off that impression. My recruitment is wide open. That verbiage is similar to kind of what Xavier Henry said before he committed to Memphis and then John Calipari left. And so he reopened it and eventually obviously went to Kansas. But um, I, at least talking about like Kansas, North Carolina, I definitely think those are the two kind of the two prominent schools in his recruitment. I think there are absolute there is absolutely a chance for other schools to jump in. Uh even this late, even, even with the idea that he's ready to be done with it, I, I think if it's hard to maybe pick one one or another. Like Arizona is a school that's been in mm-hmm. on his recruitment and has gone to see him. I don't necessarily see Arizona making this, you know, incredible push for him, especially now that he's in Florida. I mean he's all the way across the country from him. Uh, it's just kind of tricky maybe when you start naming like what one school could jump in and really start pressing for him. So maybe maybe it is, I guess, at this point down to kind of KU in North Carolina. I'd be interested to see if one of the teams in the area, maybe maybe a team like a Florida or someone, uh, would start just like going crazy hard now that he's at IMG Academy in Florida. But at the same time, I get why maybe schools wouldn't want to, you know, go ahead and, and put that kind of a press on him, considering that even though he says he's not, you know, a lock for Kansas and maybe even not a lock between Kansas and North Carolina, it really, really, really seems to this point that it would be shocking, I guess, if he didn't go to one or the other. And then Matthew Hurt, like you mentioned, uh, the difference, you know, talking to Brian Snow, 24-7 sports recruiting analyst, uh, he said flat out, he was like, I don't think there are any front runners for Hurt right now because I don't think he's taking it seriously. I don't think that's entirely – I I would say I think there are a couple front runners with Hurt, and I think KU is among them, and I think that's because of the, the priority they've kind of shown him and Hurt's relationship with Bill Self You know that yeah. goes back to the, to the FIBA Americas in 2018. He actually talked about that and his fit with Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, you can read about both those things on our site. So – I agree he's not nearly as far along. He isn't nearly as far uh, along in his recruitment. I agree with you, Swain. I think it will be an April decision. But I do think that's an interesting point because I think both guys are are definitely at very different places with their recruitment. Yeah, well, and I want to bring something else up to you with Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think Kay's been in on him. Like we were, we talked about this yesterday just a tiny bit. And you said they've been in on him for a long, long time. And I wonder if it becomes to wear on him a little bit, just the constant contact. I'm just thinking of reasons why he's talking the way he is about 
trying to distance dis, distance himself from Kansas. Do you think maybe a little bit of it is like, okay, hold on, you guys have been here a ton. Let me go and talk to other schools yet because I've been talking to you guys for two, three years now. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that that's specifically the case. I, it's certainly a possibility. And, and you get that with a number of kids who have been kind of recruited and, and have had people in on them for a long time. I mean, a good example is like LeBron James and, and not wanting his son to be recruited at, at a ridiculous early age. Also, apologies if you hear my dogs barking in the background. It is the uh, the perils of doing this podcast from home. But uh, no, I I'm not necessarily sure that would be the biggest thing for him just because I think he is a guy who at least embraces the idea that he is such a high-level recruit. I think, if anything, it's it's the idea that like he wishes maybe he had more offers or, or more schools heavily recruiting him. I mean, sure. if you just if you just look at his offer list, uh, and, and this is going off our site, you know, Kansas or just 247sports.com, I mean, schools you don't see that are uh, on there with offers are Duke, Kentucky, uh, Villanova isn't really a blue blood, but you know, you can throw them in there. I, I'm just trying to think of the yeah. college basketball blue bloods. Like a lot of those schools either haven't offered or haven't reported offers or haven't gotten far along enough with their interest that it has become like a thing. And, and I can understand for a guy like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, five-star recruit, top 20 kid to be like, Hey, why aren't you coming after me? You know, it, even if he's not going to Duke or Kentucky or, uh, you know, what have you, I can understand him being like, hey, why don't I have a Syracuse offer? You know, sure. I, I get that perspective of it. I, I, I don't think it's the the wear necessarily of KU. I think it's the idea that I, I think he wanted to get out of the Kansas City area to improve and get better and go to IMG. But I also think it, it will help him in terms of just saying, hey, I'm I'm my own guy. I may end up going to Kansas, but I'm certainly not. I shouldn't be considered a lock to go to Kansas. Yeah, I definitely understand that. It totally makes sense that he is. I mean, as you just said, he's a five star guy, and he doesn't have offers from other blue bloods. I definitely understand why he could get frustrated from that because it's not even it. It's not an ego thing, but it's a you want to feel validated with this. And I think that I definitely think that that could be a factor. I think that going to IMG will help distance himself from here because he's gonna be playing with high level guys you know and coaches will be there regardless and he'll start to get more traction I feel like with some coaches that maybe haven't gone out of their way to see him yet yeah that's a good point especially like Armando Bacot is another guy who is uh or or Bacot is another guy who is uh, I believe playing for IMG out there and that's if you're in the UNC camp I mean that's a promising sign right you want to you want to see your guy the guy you want to go after playing with other high level guys uh, as for fit, we, we can talk about this for a few minutes. I, I love the fit of Hurt and Robinson Earl playing together just in terms, and we talked about this, I think, last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, just in terms of uh, how fun that could be, two kind of versatile guys who could get up and down the floor. Hurt, obviously, more of a shooter. Robinson Earl, more dynamic in transition. Uh, I, I think it'd be really interesting to watch them play together, uh, as, especially if they joined a guy like David McCormick in that front court, if McCormick mm. stuck around, or a Silvio de Sosa. I think that would be as good of a, a or as talented a college front court as you'd ever see. I think this year's KU front court is probably as good as a college front court as you will ever see, but but that one just in terms of talent and potential. Matthew Hurt is a one and done. If you have listened to or read any interview with him, he will say over and over and over, one and done, one and done, one and done, one and done, one and done. So 
No qualms about him sticking around for a second year. Robinson Earl is an interesting one because if he were a guy that stayed a couple years, uh, maybe two, like that second year, he could end up being like an awesome college player, kind of like a, a more dynamic, more athletic Perry Ellis, obviously with less of a jump shot, uh, but but more dynamic, more athletic, like I said, like a guy who can really handle the ball in a full court setting, push it end to end. He's not ever going to be a point guard, but he flashes that ability to get the ball, put it on the ground and go, get a rebound and just start a run out or throw a great outlet pass up the floor. When he trusts his teammates up the floor, he actually flashed that ability a few times in Overland Park to, to throw kind of those Kevin Love type outlet passes. So on the court, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about with those two guys. And and you kind of brought up a potential downside swing that I'll let you talk about. But uh, really, in that perspective that I just talked about, uh, I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so I think that looking at next year's team, if if you go the route that Silvio leaves and basically you have David McCormack and Mitch Lightfoot coming back as your two centers or big men, and then you bring in Hurt and Robinson Earl as your other two big men in that recruiting class, then you run in the position you were in last year where your one Dave McCormack twisted ankle, any sort of injury from Mitch Lightfoot being your starting center or Matthew Hurt being your starting center. And I love Hurt's game and I would love to see him play the five in college, but just not as a starter. I think it's something that he could play 10 minutes a game maybe as a five, but I wouldn't want him playing all of his minutes at the five just because he's going to get so worn down because he he really does need to put on a lot of weight. I think he needs to – I'm. I think like 20 pounds of muscle, honestly, just because he is so darn skinny. And I think that that would be the only area of concern I'd have with going the route of JRE and Hurt along with Mitch Lightfoot and Dave McCormack. But the talent and the potential there is undeniable. You could have a team that has Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 6'9", playing the three in college. Like, that's ridiculous. That's awesome. I think that that team would be so fun to watch, but I, that's just the only concern I'd have. So I do think KU may look at going after another center, possibly if they do want to go this route. But I think that if you're just talking about pure fit, Hurt will be great at Kansas just as a stretch four. And then you have Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who doesn't shoot the ball as well as Hurt does, but he does some of the other things that Hurt can't do. He's a little bit more athletic. He can get to the rim a little bit easier, whereas Hurt has a better mid-range game, can face up from the post. I think that they would make such a fun combo, especially with Dave McCormack, and they can run all sorts of fun pick and rolls. You could even have JRE as the ball handler with McCormack rolling. That would be, you could, there's so much you could do. And if Bill Self couldn't make that work, then there would be big time problems. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it would, I they'd find a way to make it work out. And, and you know, it, if David McCormick returns, I think that's expected and stays healthy, then I don't think you have any problem. Honestly, I think that's that would be as talented a three big man unit as you, like I said, McCormick, Robinson Earl, and Hurt. Those three guys could take all 80 of your minutes, the power forward and center minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think you would be absolutely fine with that. You know, you'd go 25 minutes ish of each guy and then sprinkle in with foul trouble or whatever. And, and a few guys play a couple more minutes or Mitch Lightfoot even fills in, you know, a little bit, but um, it's an interesting concern uh, mostly because like, yeah, they're, they're Robinson Earl and hurt do not possess prototypical size uh, in terms of defending a massive post presence. 
But also right now, it's hard to see, you know, where are those massive post presences, especially in the Big no. 12, going to be? Because right now there really aren't any outside of like, I mean, you could say like a guy like a, a Sagaba Kanate, but, you know, yeah. quite frankly, he first of all, he's going to be gone. And, and second of all, he's not exactly a prolific offensive player, right? So uh, it's it's a good question. It's a fair question that they would be essentially an injury away from not having a single center on the roster. So I agree. I think they would probably try to address at, at least bringing in one more big man, maybe another power forward. You've seen them be in on a couple of guys. Uh, I, I think they would probably try and bring in at least one more big man to kind of round out that class. But I also don't think it would be the most urgent thing in the world. I don't think they would have to force a fit. Uh, maybe they could take in a transfer or a graduate transfer if they were really too worried about it. Uh, but I, I don't think it would be the necessarily the hugest priority for them. Let's shift a little bit to the backcourt, though, because that's, uh, like I mentioned, most recent breakdown on the website, looking at that point guard position for the uh, the KU roster. So l- let's start here with this. Right now, KU has two point guards, uh, a combo guard on the team, and a point guard committed in the 2019 class. Where do you see the point guard specifically, the point guard spot looking headed into 2019. So after the 2018 season, not accounting for recruiting other than Marquise Jacobs, where do you kind of see things headed into 2019? I think it kind of depends on where, what route they want to go. So if you look at the roster, you have, if you look at the roster and the ball handlers coming back, I think Devon Dotson and Charlie Moore will both be back. I don't think Dotson's going to end up going to the NBA after his freshman year. I think he does after his sophomore year. Then you add Marquise Jacobs to that mix. Then you have three ball handlers. I mean, and even then, it would be Charlie Moore and Dotson splitting those minutes again. And you have Marquise Jacobs kind of trying to fit in where he can. So I do think they're going to try and go the combo guard route for that to fill in that kind of fourth guard that they're going to need. So I think that two names that could be interesting. The first one is RJ Hampton. He's a class of 20 guy, but he is he's basically said he's going to reclassify. Uh, he said he has enough. He said, quote, I do almost have enough credits to graduate high school. So I think that he's going to reclassify. And he's talked to that coaches have asked him to reclassify. Uh, Duke is the leader in the clubhouse right now for him. But he said about KU, quote, they've been good. They're very involved. It's very early right now, but I like the way they've recruited me. And KU's been in on him for a long time. They offered him when he was a freshman in high school. And at KU, he could play the one or one through three. I think he's a lot like Quentin Grimes in the in the size and the way they play. Uh, I think that he would be the biggest get they if they could get him. That would be the best case scenario. But I think a second guy that they could be in on is Leck, uh, five star guy out of Brewster Academy, which is where Devonte Graham is from. That's the academy he spent his prep year at. Um, and But the thing with him is he wants to be the ball handler, and I don't think that that would work, especially with Dotson and Moore coming back and also having Marquise Jacobs. But I do wonder this, though. Do you think that Marquise Jacobs could play off ball? Yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm not sure how much Jacobs is going it, it, to— It's kind of like at this point Ochai Agbaji, right? Mm-hmm. Like he his biggest days are not going to be in year one, maybe down the line— uh, Jalen Leck is an interesting name just because, uh, I mean, there's a chance he could just go pro. I, I think he's actually talked about that and, and not going to college at all in the first place. So uh, I think he would like to have him. Um, and, and if the fit were there, 
I think they would definitely, you know, embrace that. But also I think there's a, there's a good chance. I think he just uh, turns and goes to the NBA going back real quick to the roster situation, specifically the decision that Devon Dotson will have to make. Uh, I think it's, it's, it is most likely that he is a two-year player. However, mm-hmm. this is kind of a weak class coming up for in, in terms of one-and-done talent, and maybe you'll see that change with guys like Nico Mannion reclassifying. Uh, the KU point guard situation, it, the, it, there may not be much of an opening for KU to add guys, and that may be the perfect situation because, you know, Kyra Lewis is off the board, and I, I've written this. My understanding, uh, based on the situation, is that even if Kyra Lewis had wanted to reclassify and come to Kansas in the class of 2018, it would not have been a slam dunk as simple as KU has an open scholarship, they're going to add this four-star recruit. It wouldn't have been that simple because it's a lot more complicated of an equation like than that because then you could end up with four point guards for you know the next year, and quite frankly, you can't spend four roster spots on four point guards two of which probably won't, you know, play very many minutes. All now you need to replace three big men. What if you need to replace three big men and three wings and you the one like the it it the math never works out that way. It it's if Devon that's why I put this in the breakdown, but that's why I think Devon Dotson is the biggest kind of determinant of what KU does in recruiting in terms of the backcourt. Just because if they get the sense he's going to go, then it has to be full steam ahead, full court press. First of all, I'm keeping yeah. Marquise Jacobs. Uh, if Devon Dotson stays, I'm not saying KU, like, like I think now all of a sudden you can, you you can have a little bit more flexibility that if Marquise Jacobs decided, you know what, actually I would rather go somewhere else or whatever. Like you could survive that loss and find ways to work around it. Although I don't think that's going to happen because I think he's a gigantic KU fan. Um, however, uh, I think if Devon Dotson were to give like to play his way into the idea that he could even be a one and done and potentially a weaker freshman class, then I think you would have to start to to really, really put the full court press on guys. Starting with point guards, because I've written a lot about the combo guard route, and Swain, you talked about a couple of those guys. Uh, I, I think a lot of the combo guards recruitment is wide open. I think Cole Anthony and, and RJ Hampton are, are both wide open right now. Uh, KU's been recruiting him with uh, RJ Hampton with like three or four coaches, and uh, I've spoken to him a few times, and and. He, I, I don't think he has progressed far enough to uh, affirmatively, affirmatively declare really all that much with his recruitment. But and, and the same for Cole Anthony, who really, I mean, I think he's on a visit to Duke. So if you wanted to call Duke the leader for Cole Anthony, you could. But then you're calling Duke the leader for Cole Anthony, Josiah James, a point guard, RJ Hampton, another combo guard, and they're not going to land every single you know person in the class, obviously. So. Uh, it's hard to tell with a lot of these guys, I think, at this point. But Josiah James is the name I look at. I don't think KU is the leader for him by any means. Uh, but I will say this, and Duke is in on Nico Mannion too, by the way, another point guard. But um, I don't think KU is in the leader uh, for Josiah James by any means, but I think the experience of him playing with Bill Self at, at the FIBA Americas makes them at least interesting that if Duke were to land, you know, if Trey Jones were to stick around for year two and Duke were to land one of those combo guards, that James might be a guy who really opens things up a little bit more. Uh, And and right now, I think that uh, he is probably viewed as the top point guard talent still on the board by the KU staff. That would be my guess. Uh, And I think for good reason. He's a good defender, got good length, good athletic tools. Uh, really impressed as a rebounder at the FIBA Americas. And yeah, quite frankly, it it would not shock me in the slightest if, uh, 
if KU got win that Devon Dotson might, you know, or, or if just talking to NBA guys, they, they started to see that NBA guys were impressed with Devon Dotson. If KU really didn't start to focus in on Josiah James and see, you know, what can they do to uh, to bring him to Lawrence first, get him on campus for a visit, and then, you know, obviously see about bringing him on board. So that that would be a name I would give. The combo guards are interesting, though. You mentioned some of the fit. Uh, I'm just curious, Swain, if you watched any of the the FIBA Americas or, or if you've had uh, time to watch some of the film on Cole Anthony, I guess what you what you kind of think of his game. I've not had a ton of time to watch Cole Anthony, but from the little bits here and there that I've been able to watch him, I do like his game. I just I only worry about playmaking and him being a point guard in the Bill Self system. He's got to be able to pass the ball and make the right decision because out of Bill Self system, there are a lot of options that you can run and you have to be smart. You look at the past point guards, Devontae Graham, Frank Mason, guys that are smart with the ball in their hands. I just don't necessarily have that trust right now with his game and making the right decision passing the ball the talent there is undeniable he's incredibly talented but that's just the one area of concern I have for him as for Josiah James I think that that would be a slam dunk if they could get him just the pure size for him being a 6'6 guy I think that he would work so well with Bill Self and being the defensive menace that he could be just with the long arms and his frame and everything. I think that he would be a real home run if Kansas could land him. Yeah, I agree. And I think what he affords you then is with a guy like Marcus Garrett on the roster, you can roll out lineups with Marcus Garrett, Josiah James, and Charlie Moore and say, you know, Moore's not going to be great defensively, but you've got two other guys who can guard two other good guards. So you can really afford to stick him on whoever kind of the worst player uh, offensively that the opposing team has is. So I definitely think there are ways you can kind of hide the weaknesses of guys. Um, let's just finish running down, I, I guess, uh, point guards, combo guards, and things like that for the class just before we we move on a little bit and get into some of the shooting guards. Or, or we could really just talk about one, and then we'll we'll sort of wrap up. Trey Mann is another one, a four-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had narrowed things down to three, actually, uh, which were KU, I want to say Tennessee and Florida. I'll... Uh, check that real quick just to make sure that I'm not incorrect. Yeah, it was KU, Tennessee, yeah. and Florida. North Carolina and they're now very in. recently jumped in and made enough of a, a kind of impact on him that he was like, I'm reopening my recruitment entirely, uh, and, and I'm going to look at things top to bottom. Uh, North Carolina, I believe, has two crystal ball picks for him out of nine. Personally, I don't have a, a, any special inside information that would lead me to make in a, a crystal ball pick. But if I were to, I would pick UNC. I think UNC dramatically shook up his recruitment. Uh, and I think UNC absolutely, absolutely uh, changed things with how, uh, really, how he's doing everything. Other top point guard in the class would be DJ Carton, who's going to Ohio State, I believe. Uh, chose Ohio State over, I want to say, Michigan. He named a final uh, final three. Indiana was also in there. So obviously not much of a worry for KU. And then uh, Isaac McBride is another He's a three-star out of Arkansas, and I would be stunned if Devon Dotson stuck around and KU took both him and Marquise Jacobs. Mm -hmm. So if anything, it may be more of insurance or, you know, just there may be some strong interest there. McBride reported that offer. So uh, I think that's that's a really interesting name uh, just because it, it, 
Uh, again, maybe insurance policy seems like the seems like the best thing with him. But I think if you're looking at the point guards and combo guards that KU is feasibly in on, it's Josiah James, Trey Mann, Cole Anthony, Jalen Leck, who again may go straight to the NBA, Isaac McBride, Marquise Jacobs, and RJ Hampton. And again, Luck can do that because of uh, of uh, doing that kind of pro- post grad year, uh, not because of uh, any change to the one and done role or anything like that. So those are kind of the point guards. One more, one more name though, I wanted to to kind of throw throw out is that of Zach Harvey because yeah. K, KU has been in on a number of two guards and wings, and we'll talk about wings at a later date. Your Samuel Williamsons, your Chandler Lawsons, your Malik Halls. Uh, Zach Harvey was a name they were hitting hard early. Obviously, had uh, the the whole legal situation going on in Topeka. Uh, which if you haven't read about, Topeka Capital Journal has done some really good recording on that. If you just Google his name and them, it'll come up. Or if you go to our site, we've actually uh, had a couple breakdowns uh, about his recruitment. The KU staff ha- has seen to, at least it appears, uh, maybe taken their foot off the gas a little bit for Harvey, who has also fielded some new offers. I reported uh, that that schools like... Uh, uh, actually, if you, if you just go to our site, you could see the entire list because... Uh, while he was playing in Overland Park, I talked to him about like, you, you've pretty recently been talking about things and what schools are interested and, and where you're at. Do you like, is is anything changing for you or, or is it really just kind of the same old? Because, you know, I didn't want him to just give the same quotes he's been giving. And, and I really wasn't sure that things had been all that different for him. And, you know, when I asked him that question, he told me Michigan, Arizona State and Colorado. He's like, in the last week, these schools have reached out, and and I think Arizona State has officially offered uh, Michigan, Colorado. I don't know if they have just yet, but uh, I mean, really, the the door is is kind of wide open for him. So, in terms of shooting guards, KU is losing Quentin Grimes, a combo guard, so they're probably going to want to look to bring in at least one combo guard, even if Devon Dotson stays. Um, but outside of that, you've got a guy like Marcus Garrett returning. You've got KJ Lawson is more of a wing, but you've got Ochai Baji, I guess. Uh, also returning. So the state of the shooting guard position, the combo guard, shooting guard, whatever position is, do you consider that a huge need that needs to be addressed right now, uh, Swain, or, or do you think that's something that whoever they get, whether it's a wing, whether it's another point guard, they can kind of massage and, and fill it out that way? I think it depends on which wing they get. We'll talk about all of the wings later in the names, but I think that it kind of depends on who they get there and how many wings they get because if they have the opportunity to get you know Chandler Lawson and Samuel Williamson as well as maybe one more wing then maybe they don't go filling out that other combo guard route especially with KJ Lawson coming back and Marcus Garrett coming back I think that that would be kind of interesting to see how they would try and fill out that spot because they can go kind of the two ways with it and I think they can also they have the luxury of kind of saying okay who's the best guy available and we can go after him hard, and if he commits, then great. And if not, they do have plenty of backups on the wing and even in the combo guard spot, less so the combo guard spot, though. Yeah, well, I I think the strength of the 2019 class is definitely combo guards. And for that reason, like I said, it wouldn't shock me if they just brought in a combo and brought in some bigger wings and were like, we're going to figure this out. And that was the the, essentially the plan from the staff. So I think Harvey is an interesting name. I think at this point you can expect that he's kind of moved on uh, from the idea that he would go to Kansas. Although, you know, as recently as the summer, he was telling other people talking about Kansas and, you know, what, what he likes about them. So 
I, I think at the very least, he's a name you keep in the back of your head. But in terms of the wings KU is going after, I, th- I think if KU were to add, you know, Marquise Jacobs in a combo guard and, and then really just focus on wings and big men, I, I think you could fill that roster out just fine. And that's even with, you know, maybe not having a natural quote unquote shooting guard on the roster. Yeah. Uh, I still think like a ball handling combo with size or like even a guy like Josiah James, uh, he's not a great shooter, but he is a good enough, like a good enough player. And he's shown signs of improving as a shooter enough to where, you know, a summer with, with the the KU staff. And now all of a sudden maybe he is a good enough shooter to, to kind of be an off ball, to be a two guard, to be a slasher, to do, and then to do all those other things, defense and rebounding uh, that would not only, you know, make, KU coach Bell stuff want to play him a whole lot, uh, but also KU fans love him because if you think about the player types of players that KU fans typically love, it, there are so many of those guys that were just like grinders and, and uh, you know, kind of like like maybe not the most outwardly talented guys, but made a mark by doing you know defense, hustle, rebounding th- those types of things. And I think he would fall right into that with the talent of being a you know a one and done, a five star recruit, uh, go straight to the NBA right after potentially. So. Uh, I, I think that's really how the backcourt shakes out and, and how things are looking for KU basketball. Swain, any last thoughts you want to add specifically on the backcourt before we get out of here? Nothing else. I just want to say that I I was watching, I watched a lot of Marquise Jacobs the other day, and I was honestly kind of impressed with his game. I really think that he could work with, if he works with the staff to improve his vision, I think that he could be a really good player for KU just because he is that gritty. He reminds me not to compare him to NBA guys, but just like the way he plays reminds me of Russell Westbrook, just like the aggressiveness, the tenacity. I think that he would be a really fun player for KU. And I, you mentioned that he may back out if things change. And I, I genuinely think that he would be a really good player for Kansas if he does stay. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I definitely think in time, a little bit of an undersized guy, but explosiveness. Yeah. And like you said, the competitiveness, the drive, all those things. And he's playing in Chicago. Like, quite frankly, Chicago guys are just tough. Like, yep. that period and, and the end. Charlie Moore is one of those guys that, that you, you don't make it to that high level in Chicago without having great physical tools, unless you are exactly that type of competitor. So I'm in, in total agree with, agree, agreement with you there. Uh, that, that'll be where we... Leave it off this week, fog.net podcast. Uh, and, and again, a lot more on, on basketball recruiting, football, full campus underway, a, a lot more to come. But wanted to give you guys a brief update, uh, uh, kind of a free update for you on uh, KU basketball recruiting and the latest going on with that. So uh, as always, make sure to check out kansas.247sports.com. You can tweet both of us. Uh, Michael, what's your Twitter? At uh, mswain97. At mswain97. I am at Chase and Scott. Uh, be sure to hit us up on the boards if you have any questions VIP boards uh, sports bar is uh, the place to do that or you know respond when we do a mailbag call each week and then uh, you can get your questions answered there so thanks again for joining us for the fog.net podcast and we will talk to you guys next week